Okay. We've had four different activities. We looked at what a little child might choose. And I just want to point out, no one chose the scary alien, did they? And that was the main point for that one. There's right and there's wrong. And if you do the right thing, what do you get? You get a chocolate. There's groups going on here. And there's rules about what you need to do to get in, what you need to do to stay in, what might get you kicked out, and what even language that you might use. And there's also an aspect of like moving in life and, and having a purpose and being able to serve the world. And the reason why I did these four activities, and you might see how they come together as we, as we go today, is because when we talk about our faith, there's actually a bit of a journey that goes on through life. Um, and this applies through the ages in lots of different ways as well. And the first phase is really where you ask the question, am I safe and secure? So often the teddy bears that got chosen most of the, most of the time is because why? They feel what? They feel comfortable, don't they? They feel safe. And it was interesting that, um, that Elliot chose Wilbur, the, the little um, mascot, um, are you okay for me to share this, Dan? Too bad if you're not. But um, like Dan, Dan would actually like use him as a little like cuddle pillow as he went to sleep every night. So, you know, that's when he was a lot smaller. And actually, I don't think it would do anything for Dan now. Um, but yeah, so it was comfortable. It was safe. It was secure. And then as you get a little bit older, you start to think about morals and what is right and wrong. And... I remember um, my, my sister talking about her daughter Zoe. Just Zoe's at that stage where she wants to know what the rules are. You know, what's right, what's wrong. If I do the right thing, what happens? If I do the wrong thing, what happens? And that's a stage of faith as well. And then you get to another stage where, particularly in the teenage years, the big question is, who is my social group? Who am I a part of? How do I belong? Do I fit in here? And then finally... There's another stage of like, how do I serve the world? Where is my place in making a difference? Um, what is Jesus calling me to do um, when he calls me to, to, to actually go out and, um, and serve? Very, very, very brief overview. And if some of you have done, you know, um, any, I guess, study that look at Piaget or, or, um, or Moral Development Kohlberg or spiral dynamics, or things like that, you just go, oh, you can see some, some of the patterns. And the reason why I think this is very helpful, and I'll, I'll, I'll just want to set this up first, and then it can make a little bit more sense later, is that as individuals, we all have aspects of those areas. You know, we all have an aspect of us that wants comfort. We want to know what the rules are. We want to know what the rewards and punishments might be. We're looking for a community, a group to belong to. We also want to have purpose in our lives and, and be able to, to contribute something to the, to the world beyond ourselves. So we all have that within us, but each of us will have something along that continuum that we might have a strength towards or we might, that might grab our attention a little bit more. And if you think about yourself out of those four, four areas or four zones, you know, you might go, oh, I'm a bit more focused on that right now or I'm a bit focused on that zone when I was maybe 10 years ago, I was a bit more in that space. The other thing that this can help us understand and explain about how groups operate as well. For example, 
even though we have strengths in these areas, when we bring our strengths together, it can some create tension. For example, if I went to school and I said to everyone at school, what do you think we need to do to make our school better? Some people will say, we just need to make it safer. And then someone else might say, we need to be a lot clearer with our rules and, you know, what's our discipline policy and what's, what's going to happen if a student does something right or wrong or a teacher does something right or wrong. Then another person might say, do you know what, we just need to have more morning teas and more socials and more fellowships together. And another person might say, we've got to be thinking about how we're contributing to the greater world. And it happens in businesses, it happens in church business meetings as well, you know, there's often tension between where do we go, what do we do next? And there's also can be tension between groups. Often a group will tend to associate and build itself around a certain area. Someone was speaking to me about how their mother used to be in a church and that church was really um, focused on the rules and what's right and what's wrong and you do this and you don't do that and this is um, this is how you meant to live and behave. And she said they, they looked at other churches that were maybe a little bit more about community or maybe a little bit more about, you know, creating a safe environment or even those that are a bit more mission and they were like, oh, they're just soft. They're just, they're just weak. Um, it can be judgment between groups, um, you know, and there can be tension between groups depending on what, what their strength might be. And last of all, Change can happen along our journey of faith and it can happen naturally but sometimes it can happen through a crisis and what can happen is that we might be very comfortable in this stage of, of our faith development and something goes wrong and it forces us to go, oh, hang on, I need to reconsider that. An example for someone in this area, might, I kept all the rules, I did all the right thing and now I've got cancer. You know, or, you know, something might happen and you go, what am I going to do with my faith now? Or you might be over here in community and um, COVID happens, for example, <laughs> and we lose the community that, we, that we've just relied on as a, as a church for, for so long time. And it's like, well, what are we going to do now? And it can force us to actually reconsider our faith along the way. How does this, though, relate to following Jesus? And that's really what I want to focus on today. And thanks for bearing with me as I just sort of set this up a little bit first because it'll make a little bit more sense as we go. How does this relate to following Jesus? Well, Jesus actually deals with each of those phases in an interesting way. He will talk to those who are seeking comfort and he will say and affirm them by saying things like, come to me and I'll give you rest. Isn't that an appealing call from Jesus? You know, just if you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for safety and security, you can find that in Jesus. He also says, if you have faith, you can move mountains. You know, if you pray and if 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 you just have enough faith, you know, things are going to be okay because I'm with you always. Just when you're feeling comfortable, though, Jesus also says things like this. I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. You're going to be persecuted if you follow me, and you've got to give up everything to cover me. How does that work with someone who really loves comfort? Does it work for them? 
Not really, does it? He affirms, but he also challenges at the same time. What about the next stage? When it comes about conscience, when it's about what's right and what's wrong, um, what are rewards and punishments and going to heaven or not going to heaven? Well, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, very clear, these are the rules. Um, I haven't come to do away with the law. But all throughout his ministry, he broke the laws and traditions. Did you notice that? Now, we might go, well, they weren't really the big laws. But at the time, these were well-established laws and behaviours that you're meant to follow. And Jesus actually threw them out the window, often on purpose. For example, he could have healed... I'm not sure if anyone watches the TV series The Chosen, but... um, but he actually healed someone on the Sabbath, and so, which was against the law at the time. And someone said to him, why didn't you wait just a little bit longer and you could have healed him without creating all this controversy? He actually actively challenged that. He said, instead of being following the rules, you've got to be born of the Spirit. And he told the story of the rich young ruler. Or no, it wasn't this actually happened. A rich young ruler whose life was filled with comfort and who had been doing the right thing for his entire life. He said, I've kept all the commandments. What did Jesus say to him? I want you to give away everything, be compassionate, give it to the poor, and then I want you to leave and to come and follow me. And it said, the young, rich, young ruler, he walked away sad because it was asking him to get out of that zone. Jesus in community... He's, Jesus said, I was only sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And all the Israelites were like, yeah, you, you need to leave your family to follow me. So like, you know, we've got to create our own little community here. But then at the same time, he said, if you're not against us, you're for us. You know, some disciples one day saw some people casting out demons in Jesus' name and they said, Jesus, don't worry. We told him to stop because he's not one of us. And Jesus says... He's still with us. (laughs) Even though he's not with us, he's still on our side. And Jesus welcomed and he healed and he stayed with the outsiders. You know, remember Miranda speaking a few weeks ago saying that he could have walked around the Samaritan villages, but no, he went to the Samaritan village on purpose and he stayed there with the people that were not well respected by most of the other people in his discipleship group. What about Jesus and compassion? Well, Jesus starts his ministry by preaching a mission that I've come to bring good news to the poor. He tells the story of the sheep and the goats. Um, That's the climactic story in Matthew. Matthew finishes up with this parable just before Jesus dies. And the whole idea is that whatever you do to to care for others and and to help other people, you're doing it to Jesus himself. So a massive emphasis on that. And a woman who was caught in the tree at the time, the rules were, what, she needs to die. Jesus actually saves her. He, he throws all the rules out the window and saves her. An act of compassion. But then Jesus approves the use of really expensive perfume on his feet. Meanwhile, when other people are saying, you could have used that money for the poor. And... The woman that's caught in adultery, once everyone leaves, what does he say to her? Go and sin no more. He takes her back to this point here. 
when Greg asked me, and I think um, Kaylee asked me as well, like Alicia did, uh, what's the message of the sermon today? I, I didn't really know how to put it all into one sentence, but as I was praying, this came to mind. Four reasons why we might want to kill Jesus. And it's not a very nice sermon title, really, is it? It sounds like, why would you be preaching that in church? But I'm trying to explain why did people want to kill Jesus? Because Jesus knew that when he challenged people in the comfort zone, in the conscience zone, in the community zone, and in the compassion zone, that it was going to lead somewhere. He knew it. And he knew that it was to the cross. And Caiaphas, who at the time was at the priest of the high, was the high priest at the time, he said this: You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation to be destroyed. Caiaphas could see what was happening. Jesus, although he was attracting many people. At the same time, he was challenging every person. And the challenge level was so high that the high priest who was overseeing the whole nation got to the point, he said, you know what? It's probably better we let this guy die because if he keeps on going, this is gonna, we're going to fall apart. And it even says in John, that John who wrote, wrote, wrote this um, down said, that Caiaphas did not say this on his own. As a high priest of the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. Not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus challenge everyone in that group? Like he loved everyone in each of those groups, didn't he? Like he did. But why did he challenge it? And the reason I believe that he did that was because he, that he had to do it because the only way that he could draw people together and unite his children right across the world was to actually invite them to reconsider being stuck in those spaces and to start reaching out and embracing each other. No matter where we are in our faith, we are going to be challenged. Who's been challenged in their faith before? <laughs> by some external event, some internal event at some point. We all get it. And the challenges can come from a range of sources. And I knew this for a long time. The challenges can come from growing. You know, you see the kids, as they get older, naturally they start moving, don't they? You know, they get to the point where they start going, well, it's all comfortable and safe, but I want to understand how the world works. Like, if I do these things, will that work for me? If I do those things, will it, will it not work for me? And then when they get to high school, as a little bit older, they start going, oh, do I fit in here? How, how do I become part of a group? What do I need to do? What language do I use? What do I need to stop doing to stay in the group? Right through to a point where we're saying, I need to think about where my purpose and meaning is life. So there's a natural growth process that comes from faith. But there's also the challenges that come from life's pain, hurts and disappointments as well. But I don't know if you thought about this. I think the biggest challenge comes from Jesus' approach, his teaching and his practice himself. And as I've read through the Jesus stories again and again and again, 
I can't, I can't read that far before all of a sudden I'm getting challenged. <laughs> I think I've got everything sorted out. I think I understand Jesus and what he's doing. And then I read the story and going, I don't get that. There's a paradox there. That doesn't quite make sense. But it's those paradoxes that actually protect me because when I hit those life crises, I know, oh, that's right. Jesus said that. And Jesus said that. There's, there's more to my faith than just being in this little zone in itself. Now, there's different ways we can respond to this. So one way we can respond is to, to freeze. You know, like if you get, uh, get scared or something, you know, there's, there's, there's that, oh, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just so scared I can't move at all. And for some people, unfortunately, when they get challenged, they just lock themselves in and say, I'm just going to go in deeper, I'm going to go in harder here, and it can become very unhealthy because that's what their faith becomes all about. It becomes all about just being comfortable, it becomes all about the rules, it becomes all about the community, or, or, or it just becomes all about service. The option is flight, is to walk away. And the story of the rich young ruler, you know, what a tragedy that, he was being challenged to move from beyond where he was and he was sad because he didn't want to do it and he just walked away and he forgot it as well. And, you know, for me, that's a risk that I've got to think about when life gets hard, do I just go, oh, Jesus, that's just too hard, I'm just going to walk away from this. Or there might be the fight. Now, we might not physically kill Jesus today, but we might just say, that's it, Jesus, that's it, no more. I'm not having anything to do with you anymore. And unfortunately, that's the reality for that some people, some people choose too. But there is another one. And the final one is following Jesus. And that means that following Jesus, I can't lock myself in anywhere. <laughs> I've got to be open to what his Holy Spirit is inviting me to. And sometimes that might mean I need to be in a, a space where there's comfort and I need to invite other people into that space. But it might need, sometimes I need to challenge other people and I might need to get out of my comfort zone too. Or sometimes it might mean that I need to be a little bit more serious about, you know, what, what, what am I doing? You know, acting in integrity. Are my actions actually helping me and helping other people or are they hurting me and hurting other people? Or sometimes I might have to go, am I really engaging in community? Am I just coming to church as a duty and just sitting there and ticking off that box over there? But am I really getting to know other people and to, to actually going deep on their journey as well? Or compassion. Is my life just all about serving other people? Um, which is a, is a great thing. But have I got those other elements in there to sustain me as I do that? So no matter where you are at, Jesus affirms you. Whatever stage you're at, wherever your strength is at, Jesus says, come follow me. I'm with you always. I haven't done away with the law. I'm here to fulfill the law and help you to live a life that blesses other people. He affirms and he says, I want you to be part of the community, my community, my family, and he also calls us to, to join him in mission and serve as well. But at the same time, he challenges us in each of those spaces and places at the same time. 
And why does he do both? It's because he loves you and he loves everyone. And if as an individual and if a community, we can take a step back and just go, you know what, that person at church, um, they're really in that zone. And that was really annoying me. But now I understand that they're a child of God as well. And they bring something as well to our community that's really, really important. Or remembering that, you know, I might be presenting something, my strength might actually be a challenge to someone else's at the same time as well. But Jesus invites and affirms all of us in where we're at, but also encourages and challenges us along the way to actually step out of those zones and to support each other to do the same thing as well. So I hope that has helped make some sense today. Um, I don't want anyone to kill Jesus. I don't want to really give you any four reasons to do that. But I'm hoping today that we've been able to see that Jesus and following him means that sometimes we're encouraged to get out of our comfort zones. Um, Even though they might be comfortable there, but it means getting out and allowing him to lead us and following him. And that's what, that's what my prayer is for you today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you that you knew and you understood that rather than just being stuck in certain points of faith and our journey, that you actually invite us and call us to, to follow you. And that sometimes means embracing challenges, stepping out of, of maybe habits and behaviours and beliefs that we've locked onto for so long. And more than that, it encourages us to welcome and invite other people to follow you too and be understanding and accepting of them as well, no matter where they're at on their faith journey too. So Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us um, with your love and your patience and your tolerance and your acceptance as we work together, as we serve together. As we share together and, and, um, and love together, and uh, we, we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.